All right, so starting a new series that's going to walk in line with our, uh, our prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're doing this for a very specific purpose. I mean, you guys have been part of the church for a while. You know, this has kind of become our battle rhythm. We're going to do prayer and fasting in January. It's going to be what we do. But this is unique and really cool because it's going to mix between the two. We're going to be able to interweave our prayer and fasting with one of our sermon series and the launch of our building. <clears throat> and the Lord, again, has provided in supernatural ways by providing us the opportunity to do this. And those of you that have been part of this journey for a long time, you know that. But as we get started in this new year in 2023, I want to focus in, in these three weeks, on two specific things. And we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting in two specific reasons. We want to do it first in praise, praising the Lord for what He's done, both as a church and individually for your 2022. Praising Him for what He's did in the past year and praising Him for what He's going to do this year. And the other thing we're going to do is focus in on our preparation. We want to prepare ourselves spiritually for what God is going to do next and what he has for us next. Because now, if you remember in the scriptures, it doesn't say you're going to have an easy life. It just says that you will have a life. And he'll, you came so he could have it to the full. It didn't say it would be easy. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. So it's not about being easy, but we want to prepare ourselves spiritually for what God is going to do this next year. So as we get started, I have a question. That many of you, uh, some of you might bring back some traumatic memories from college, but uh, how many of you have ever done a group project before? Anybody done a horror? Yeah, see, some of you guys are like, I hate those, right? Group projects are the worst sometimes, unless you get a great group. If you get a great group, it is spot on, right? It, you're all about it. It's no problem. You guys fly through the work, and it's easy. But how many of you have ever had that group leader that wasn't prepared? Have you ever had that group member that wasn't prepared? And you, like, divide up the work, and you get it all squared away, and everybody's, you know, they got this, and they're going to cover this, and they're going to do that, and then they show up, and they don't have anything, and they consistently don't have anything, and time and time and time again, you're like, come on, man, you are killing me. You are never prepared. And those of you that have been around for a minute in life and have done a few things, you understand that preparation is the key to success. Preparation, preparing yourself is key to success in anything that you do. Take the group project example. When I was in college, I had the pleasure of doing one for an oral speaking class in public speaking. And it was, it was great because, you know, I, I got to be the group leader, so we gathered everybody around. We got like, there was four of us total. And uh, we each had to, to cover a total of 15 minutes, and each one of us had to speak at minimum of a few minutes apiece. So there's a minimum of like three minutes, but we could all speak different amounts. So it's like, hey, this is no problem. So then you start to divide the work. The ones who really hate speaking, you only give them the minimum. The ones who love speaking, you give them the longer bit, and you kind of figure it out, right? Well, we got this wonderful lady, and I'm, I'm sure she's got it figured out now, but she didn't understand how to work with others very well. And we would set like meetings, you know, we'd be like, hey, we're going to go to Starbucks after class today or wherever, and we're going to square this away and figure out what we're going to do. And she would not show up. And it's like, we were just a class. Where did you go? Starbucks is right down the road. Just go to Starbucks and we're going to get this figured out. And then we were like, hey, you know what? We're going to put together Google Drive and, and all this stuff. And so, hey, just put all your files in there. And then we had somebody else going to build the presentation. Guess whose files were never in there? Hers. Guess who always showed up to class late and not with their things? Her. 
And here's the best part. Grade day comes. And the, and the grade day is like, oh, man, we're getting a group grade. This is just one of those painful things that you suffer through that you just know. She's not going to come prepared. But, and and I've, I've tried to overcompensate, right? So I've started preparing her notes because I don't want to suck because she does. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to prepare the notes. I'm going to make it real easy for her. Got note cards and everything, right? She doesn't even show up to class on presentation day, Right? I, she didn't show up, and I was like, we have a whole section that we need to talk about that none of us prepared for because that was her responsibility to prepare, and she didn't prepare. So group work is hard. That's the first lesson. The second one is preparing is the key to success. Our group still got 100% without that another member. Do you know why? Because all of us, uh, the other three prepared. We were ready. We were squared away, and we knew what we were going to do. We were totally prepared. As we start this series, Not Quickly Broken, as it runs alongside of our prayer and fasting, we want to make sure we're people that aren't quickly broken this year. I mean, we don't want to be people that we run into a hard part in life, and then we can't get over the hurdle. You know what I mean? And you've worked with people like that before, and you've been around people like that. And when they hit that first hurdle, you're like, come on, this is just one of those things you got to figure out a way around. You just kind of got to work at it a little bit, got to put a little bit up into it. And then they just quit or they just aren't able to or because of one situation or another, they're just not able to keep moving. And so we as a church and as a group of people, we don't want to be people that are quickly broken by the challenges of life. We want to be instead the opposite, which is resilient. We want to be resilient in life, resilient in our faith resilient in our families, resilient in our work, resilient all, over, all the time, not just occasionally. And believe it or not, there are times in your faith journey where you need to be prepared, and that preparation will serve you because when it's time to be resilient, you've prepared for it. You're ready. It's like a football player that conditions before the game on Sunday. If he never conditions, he's going to not be able to perform well on Sunday. So he wants to condition. And that's why we're entering 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're going to take it as a time to praise the Lord for what he's done and prepare ourselves for what he's going to do. Praise the Lord for what he did last year and then prepare for what the Lord's going to do this year. So we're going to put some time and some effort into that. And the point of prayer and fasting, be prepared two specific times in your life. There's two times when you will be, when you need to be prepared for the most when you are tempted, and when you're called. So when you're tempted, when you're tempted by the world to compromise, when you're tempted to do something that you know you shouldn't, when you're tempted to close on that business deal that you know is unethical, but it's going to make you lots of money, right? Or maybe you know that you just shouldn't, you're just tempted to, to give up on your morals a little bit. You're tempted to, to slide on the ethical scale that you've established for yourself. And, and you set that up, but you're tempted to slide on it, and you're tempted to kind of let go of it because, let's be honest, we slide because it's a little easier on the other side, isn't it? So we want to slide, and we want to just go ahead. So tempted is the first thing we need to be prepared for. The second one is we want to be prepared when we're called. We want to be prepared when we're called because when God calls you to a new section of life or a new chapter, a new season, a faith upgrade, if you will, when he calls you, you better be prepared. I had a wise teacher tell me one time that God's calling will never outpace your character. 
that maybe he's not calling you to the next level because you haven't prepared to achieve that next level just quite yet. He's got it there. It's waiting. That round's in the chamber, but it ain't fired yet because you're not quite ready for it. So again, the goal is to be prepared. And we see the importance of prayer and fasting all throughout the Bible. We see it with Moses, we see it with Daniel, we see it with David, we see it with the Apostle Paul, and we even see it with Jesus. He prays and fasts. He prays all the time, and he even fasts. And there's a really, really, really cool moment in the beginning of his ministry where he fasts, but what's so significant is the verses right before that. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew, starting in chapter 3, right at the end of chapter 3, as we connect to chapter 4, which is where we are going to go. And this is a cool moment theologically because this is one of the only times that I can find in Scripture where all three of the Trinity come together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is one of the only times you see them interacting all together on the earth at the same time in this way because this is the moment of Christ's baptism. And this actually marks the beginning of what would be his his public ministry. This is the beginning of everybody saying, hold on a second, because John's baptizing in the wilderness, and it's like, hold on, what about that guy? Oh, Jesus, and John says, let me tell you about that guy. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, so he's been baptized by John, and he came, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, Heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven, the Father, said, This is my Son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Jesus is confirmed as the Son of God in this moment, and he's received the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which means he's ready to go. Public ministry is about to begin. He's about to fulfill and start the journey for his calling on his life. But watch what happens next. He didn't, ride, he didn't come out of the water and then ride into Jerusalem and conquer Jerusalem, which is what they were expecting. He didn't ride out and fight off the Romans. Or maybe for our Western world, he didn't ride in in a giant parade and everybody's excited and throwing streamers and balloons and all that stuff. No, no, no. The very next thing he did after his baptism, Jesus was, filled, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's the very next thing he did. That was his very first assignment after he received his baptism and his ordination from the Heavenly Father, was to go and be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the most obvious phrase in the Bible, he was hungry. Because I would be too. And even though Jesus, this is important, even though Jesus confirmed by the Father Holy Spirit falls on him, confirmed by the Father. Guess what he still had to deal with? Temptation. So I just want to ask a question, and I've done a few baptisms in this room. Has, so maybe if I didn't baptize you, maybe I missed it. But did anybody have the dove falling on them when they were baptized? Nobody? I missed that. I, didn't, I should have came the other Sunday and tried it. I didn't have it at mine either. I didn't have a voice open and crack over heaven. So if Jesus is preparing, then what makes us think we don't need to prepare? I mean, if the Son of God who has the keys to the kingdom and the power of heaven and he, the Prince of Peace, you know, if he is preparing to face the temptations of the world, then why would we not? 
If he's taking that time in prayer and fasting and preparing for those moments, then we should do the same thing. Because the enemy was coming for him, trying to derail him from his calling. Because the enemy did not want Jesus to provide salvation to us. And this is true too. The enemy does not want you to fulfill what God is about to do through you. And just like last year, and some of you probably have stories about how the enemy put stumbling blocks in front of you and he tempted you and maybe you don't want to talk about it because you did slide on your moral scale. Or maybe you did refuse something that you knew God had called you to do. But the enemy is coming for you too. Those, he's still out there. Sometimes he's not even as slick as he used to be. But he's out there trying to pull us further and further away. He wants to separate as many people from God as possible. That's always been the goal. And given the chance, if you're not prepared, you won't recognize it, and this is just the nature of it. If you don't recognize it, it'll be a little bit time after time again. You'll, you'll drift further and further and further and further from God. And what feels like a gap that started this big all of a sudden becomes a gap this big. And it's because we weren't prepared and we're not paying attention for when he tempts us because that's what he's going to do. And Jesus knew that was coming and he prepared for it. So he didn't just prepare for temptation. He also prayed during those times. And there's a moment, in fact, where we see the importance of prayer. So in this moment, we see the significance of fasting. We see the significance of Jesus preparing his body and preparing his spirit, because we're going to talk about fasting next week, and it's the idea of denying yourself physically something in order to build yourself up spiritually, okay? So that means that when you deny yourself something, okay, there's ways even Jesus talks about fasting. We're going to talk about that next week. You don't have to tell everybody you're fasting, okay? You don't have to go around. You get a little small group, group of friends that you're talking to, right? And you talk to them and you guys pray through it. I got a group of friends that I'm doing it with and you should too. But it doesn't mean we go around and tell everybody we're doing it for our own sake. Like, oh, they're just so disciplined and so spiritual. Oh, they're so spiritual. No, that's not why Jesus did it. That's not the point. The point is to strengthen you spiritually by denying yourself something physically. So that's the importance of fasting. But prayer functions in importance for preparation also, and this one is in Mark's account of the life of Jesus. So we're going to hit the brakes on Matthew there for a little bit. We're going to come back to Matthew next week, but we're going to go into God, uh, to Mark's gospel. And this is right after the transfiguration of Christ. For those of you that don't know, the transfiguration of Christ is when Christ went up on the mountain. And when he went up on the mountain, he took three of his disciples with him, his famous three that he loves, and Peter, James, and John, and he took them up on the mountain and when he's up there, you, they see him in all of his glory. So Jesus is transfigured on the mountain. This is the moment. It's like the Holy of Holies. Christ is transfigured in, right in front of them. In fact, it's so great that Peter starts making a tent. And he's like, we're just going to live here, y'all. We'll go get some food and we'll come back up to the mountain. Moses and Elijah showed up. So he's like, we ain't going anywhere. This is it. And then Jesus says, no, 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 you've missed it. That's not why we're here. This is, this is I, I just needed to talk with him for a second. This is not, this, this ain't it. So he kind of stops them. And then he says, we need to go back down because the other disciples are down there. There's people there and the world still needs me because I haven't finished what I came here to do. So Jesus pulls their attention and he gets ready. So this is in Mark chapter nine. Just coming off the mountain of transfiguration. 
When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Those same teachers of the law that came and tried to school Jesus every time and he just keeps putting them in their place, these dudes are back again. And so we got this little argument happening here. And as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Because can I be honest? People aren't impressed with religion. They're impressed with Jesus. They're not impressed with religion. The religious teachers are arguing with the disciples, and nobody cared. But when Jesus showed up, that's what was attractive to them. So I just want to ask the question, and I'm just going to throw this hand grenade out there, and you can jump on it if you want. But um, is possibly your life a little bit more religious and more about religion than Jesus? Because if it is, maybe that's why it's not all that attractive to some people, and they look and say, I don't want whatever that person's doing. It's just a thought. That one was free. We won't pass the offering bucket again, I promise. All right. So as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. So Jesus asked, what are you arguing with them about? Why are we arguing, guys? What is going on here? And then a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out this spirit, but they could not. Now, what's really interesting is at this moment, the disciples were given the ability to drive out spirits. That, this, that was happened before. So what, what, what changed because the disciples were given the ability, and Jesus wasn't near them then either, and they would go and they would cast out the spirits and heal people, and they do all the wonders and miracles that we hear about in the other Gospels too. So what happened? Why could they not figure it out? They just couldn't get it for this one. Now let me pause here for just a second. I wholeheartedly believe in mental illness and things going on with individuals, okay? So I don't want you to hear what we're reading and say, oh, pastor doesn't believe in that. It's all spiritual. It's all this. It's all that. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. That's absolutely not what I'm saying at all. This moment that we're reading is an extreme moment of extreme spiritual oppression and possession, okay? So none of your teenagers are possessed, all right? (laughs) They're not. If they are, it's Rachel's problem, and she'll anoint them here 30 minutes after service, okay? Don't bring them to me. I'm busy. Um, I'm just kidding. That's, that shouldn't be funny. All right. <laughs> so, but demonic possession, for real, demonic possession is incredibly rare. It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly rare. Not to say it doesn't exist. It's, that's not what I'm saying either, so don't hear that. It's just not, not, not as much as sometimes some people would like it, like us to believe. So back to the story. Jesus has gone and he's given authority to the disciples to cast out demons and fight spiritually on his behalf. So why did they run into this one? What is the issue that he's having here? And what was the problem? And so Jesus, he gets a little frustrated. He kind of comes out a little bit. He says, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, Jesus just comes off this powerful moment on the mountain. And as soon as he gets down at the bottom of the mountain, he's immediately faced with the lack of faith of his disciples. And 
when we get to the end of the story, you'll know why he's even more frustrated. And we see some of the humanity of Jesus leak out too, right? You guys ever had those issues when you're leading in an organization or maybe your kids? You've asked them to load the dishwasher a specific way dozens of times, and they ask you how to load the dishwasher again? Don't you feel a little bit like Jesus? You unbelieving, unrighteous, right? Like, you get a little frustrated. Don't, do not come up in here and act like you do not, okay? Don't do that, because I know we do. You're a little frustrated. That's kind of Jesus' attitude here. He's just frustrated, like, come on, I've taught you so much. I've taught you this before. What is wrong with you? Pay attention. So he's trying to get their attention. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? His childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire and water, trying to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, Jesus, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everyone is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. Maybe this is some of us in 2023. Help me overcome my unbelief. He's at a spiritual low right now. Because he's tried everything else, and the religious leaders can't do it, the traditional religious leaders of the temple can't do it, and here we are again, the disciples can't do it. So he shows up to Jesus, and he's kind of like, yo, I just need something, anything at all. Notice Jesus does not continue to rebuke his disciples in this moment either, because there's someone in need. Jesus doesn't get into an argument with his disciples. He immediately begins to care for the person in need. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, because more people were coming now, he rebuked the impure spirit. He said, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to his feet, and he stood. Put yourself in the, scene, in the, the position of the father for just a moment. Your child has been afflicted by something that you cannot explain, the doctors can't explain, and the religious people can't explain. And Jesus delivers your son or your daughter through something that only he could do. Jesus returns the boy to his parents healed and set free. Jesus didn't fail and let the father down, did he? The disciples did. They messed it up. The religious leaders did. They messed it up. But Jesus did not. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but uh, Jesus won't fail you either. Maybe the church failed you. Jesus won't fail you. Maybe, maybe it was a religious leader that failed you. Jesus won't fail you. Maybe it was a boss or a parent that failed you. Maybe it was a mom or a dad. Maybe it was a husband or a wife that failed you. Jesus will not fail you. And in the same way he came into this moment, he can come into your life also. 
He does what the disciples and the followers of him could not. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? That's the big question. What do you mean? Why couldn't we drive this out? And and then he said, these kind only come out only by prayer. Now, if you're reading an older version, you're going to see where it says only by prayer and fasting. But um, most scholars, in fact, many, many scholars agree that the part of fasting was added later. And Some of you are going to go, wait a second, they edit the Bible? Yes, because as new information becomes available, they update it to keep it closest to its original manuscript as possible, okay? So they do the best that they can. So from time to time, they recognize and find earlier documents, and then they can determine that, hey, that word wasn't in there. That was probably a little bit of a change. So that does not mean that your Bible is somehow not reliable. That does not mean that it is not the Word of God. It simply means that we try to stay on par with what we find as God continues to build the Bible and show us the story. So do not throw your Bibles out, please. All right? And the truth is, some spiritual battles can only be won with preparation. Very specifically here, prayer. That's why we're doing this 21 days. We are preparing ourselves for the battles that are coming. Now, some of you might say, um, Brandon, that's not what the text says. The disi- we don't know that the disciples weren't praying. Really? Because they couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus said this kind can only come out by prayer, which the implication, therefore, is the disciples were not praying. All of a sudden, now we understand why Jesus got so frustrated when he came off the mountain. It's because he comes off the mountain and he recognizes They aren't praying. They aren't in connection with his father. And he goes frustrated. Come on, you guys are just not even trying anymore. And he gets all frustrated with them. And then he pulls them in and he he does what a good leader does. And he says, hey, you messed this up. These only come out by prayer. You got to pray. You got to get connected to the father. And it wasn't a trick question. It was just straight up, hey, these only come out by prayer. So because they didn't prepare, not like in that moment they didn't pray, Jesus is pointing to the fact you aren't praying and connected to the Father throughout the time before this. Because if you were, then when this moment happened, you wouldn't have this problem. If you would stay connected. And these are some great parallels in our life from these two moments that we understand. Notice both instances, prayer and fasting, served as part of the preparation of what Jesus and the disciples were doing. Jesus fasted in the wilderness before a major spiritual battle, and then his disciples did not pray, and they were not able to cast out the demon. And they were not able to help someone else. See, our spiritual battles that we deal with and our spiritual disciplines that we have, they're not just for show. They're preparing us, and you, might, you never know when you might need it. They're not just a means to make you look more spiritual and more religious. They actually serve a purpose. And this time of prayer and fasting is meant to steal your spirit, kind of lock you in and get us ready for what God's going to do in 2023. Now, I don't know what your battles are going to be. I can't, be, I can't begin to, to think through what some of our battles are going to be. Maybe you're not going to face evil incarnate in the wilderness. Maybe not. I certainly hope not. Maybe you're not going to cast a demon out of a child. I certainly hope not. But you will face battles in your life. Maybe you'll face a battle in your marriage. 
that you've been working on for a long time. And finally, 2023 is going to be the breakthrough, but you've got to be prepared for when it comes. Or maybe it's with your kids, because we all know raising kids is just kind of hard sometimes. And learning and figuring out what hill to die on and what, what to say yes to and what to say no to, right? Maybe this is the year where that starts to become a little bit more clear. Maybe it's at your workplace. You're about to face a spiritual battle because they just brought the new boss in or they just brought the new coworker in or they just brought the new person in. Maybe that's what's going on. I don't know what your battle's going to be. And you probably can't predict it right now either. Maybe you do. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe it already started. And you're like, I'm so happy we're talking about this because it's now. <laughs> but maybe it's not. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you don't know when it is. That's why I encourage you. I encourage you. Prepare. Lean into these next 21 days. And if you didn't start a fast or you didn't start fasting and praying today, that's okay. There's still time in today. You can do it. And you get, so a lot of people go, well, what do you mean fasting, Brandon? Are you talking like no food? I mean, I would not suggest starting there. <laughs> I did. It wasn't smart. Bad idea. But, you know, you can. I'm not going to stop you. But the thing is, is it's just you got to find something in which you're denying yourself physically to build yourself up spiritually. Okay, an easy way that me and Leah talk about it is if you deny yourself something, you should spend time, a little bit more time in prayer. So maybe if you're going to fast TV, that's something a lot of people try to do. So you're going to fast TV, so then maybe you just increase your prayer time in the afternoon or the evening when you would flip on ESPN or Sports Center. You say, hey, I'm not going to watch ESPN today. I'm going to pray to the Lord. You don't have to pray the whole time of, of all of that, but you're just going to take a little bit extra time. You're going to spend a little bit extra time connecting with God because that's the purpose, not just to be miserable. The purpose is to connect more with our Heavenly Father and to prepare ourselves spiritually and physically for what He's going to do. So I encourage you, if you haven't started it, prepare. Prepare. The whole purpose of this is to steal our spirits and prepare ourselves for what's going on in 2023. And here's the coolest part. All across the country, over these next three weeks, there's going to be thousands of churches engaging in prayer and fasting together and moving the ball forward for the kingdom of heaven and preparing for whatever battles the Lord is about to have us fight. We have no idea what they are. I don't know what battles this church is about to face. I don't know what battles my family are about, is about to go through, but I know they're coming. I'm breathing, so they're coming. Some of them I might cause by accident. Some of you guys, you feel that, right? It happens from time to time. But prepare yourself for it. And let's, let's just be honest for just a second, and then I'll close. Uh, you've tried other things, right? You've tried to do it all yourself. You've tried what the disciples tried to do, right? You tried to force it your way. You tried to make it work your way. You tried to, you know, work it the world's way, and it didn't work. The new habit you tried didn't stick, or maybe it did. Maybe you're trying to break a habit. The new attitude didn't stick. The new leaf, you face a battle, you're not able to face it. You're not able to deal with it. It's exhausting, to be honest, and it rarely works because your power comes from your heavenly Father. So let's connect spiritually to the power and the strength that we have in the Lord and stop relying on ourselves to solve the problems. And Jesus modeled it for us the way forward. We do that 
with prayer and fasting. So, decide. How will you engage in this time with the church? How will we do it together? How are we going to draw together? If you don't have a group, find a group of people, right? If you don't have friends, talk to your serving team, talk to your team leaders and say, hey, I want to start this fast. I don't know where to start. Connect with them and we can get through this together and we can glorify God all along the way. Prepare ourselves for what he's going to do this year, both in this church and in your life. Because you don't know the plan yet, but he's got one for you. We don't get to see what our calendar is going to look like this year from God's perspective, but he does. So prepare yourself. Trust him. Go through the steps he suggested to prepare for those things. So, before we sing, I'd love to pray for you guys. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have here to read this story, to understand this story, to figure out what you are, just all the work you're doing inside of our spirits, Lord. And as we go into this 21 days of prayer and fasting, that we wouldn't get distracted going to the left or going to the right or maybe doing something for the attention or for the clout or anything like that, but that we would find something that we can deny ourselves physically from in order to glorify you and to connect with you on a deeper level. So Holy Spirit, will you help us figure that out? For those of us that haven't determined it, Lord, today will you guide us this afternoon and this evening as we begin to figure that out and, and determine what that's going to be and what that's going to look like and help us do this, Lord, as we prepare for what you've got ready for us in 2023. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. And the church said, amen. amen.